0: This is the Austin Life Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Well, good morning again. Good to see Good to see you. Um, Man, I love uh, I love seeing new faces. I, I love to meet people. Um, and so this is exciting for me. Uh, I'm really glad that you're here uh, to join us this morning. Uh, my name is Corey. I'm one of the pastors. Uh, I really hope that uh, you'll feel comfortable this morning uh, just to, to be who you are, where you are, um, and that we will let um, God do the speaking for us, right? That he will uh, be the, the voice that we hear uh, above everything. Um, if you weren't aware, uh, it is Easter um, in case, in case that wasn't was missed, uh, it is a, it is a big Sunday uh, that we celebrate. Um, but but my prayer this week, honestly, has been that God would give us spiritual eyes uh, to see Easter for what it for what it really is. Um, that we, that we would not just see the physical world around us, but that He would give us spiritual eyes to truly see Him. Uh, there's an account in Second Kings. I bet you didn't see Second Kings coming into the Easter sermon today but here it is. Uh, there's an account in 2 Kings where the Syrian army has surrounded Elisha. Elisha was a prophet for Israel, and he had advised Israel and the king uh, in many victories in battle. And so the Syrian leadership, the Syrian king thought, take out Elisha and we'll cripple, their, we'll cripple the Israel army, we'll, we'll win. And so they literally sent an entire army to surround Elisha. And so morning comes and it says that his servant goes out of the tent. And, and you can imagine his, his feeling when he looks around him and literally he is 360 degrees surrounded by, it says, chariots and horses and armies who were not there for coffee and pastries. Um, they were there to kill Elisha and, and his servant. And so Elisha naturally is terrified. not Elisha, his servant is terrified. And Elisha says, hey, don't be afraid. And you can imagine at that time, right? You're thinking, okay, this guy is like clinically insane because there are people with swords who want to do mean things to us. And, And he's saying, do not be afraid. And then he follows up and he says, don't be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And so you can imagine even more now, the servant is thinking, Elisha, bro, hey man, there is an army to kill us. What are you talking about? It's just you and me. What are you talking about that that there's more for us than than for them? And so then Elisha prays this prayer. Oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. Oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. If some of you are here and you're, you're looking for a breakthrough in your life, you're, you're, you're longing for light to break into the darkness that has been the last year or two or 20. If you've been longing for hope, perhaps this is a prayer for you to pray. Oh Lord, open my eyes that I may see. Maybe you've got a relative, a, a spouse, a friend that you've been praying for and, and hoping, but it's just, it's just not, not clicking, not sinking in, perhaps this prayer is for them. Lord, open their eyes that they may see. And Elisha prays this prayer and it says that the Lord opened the servant's eyes. It's not that he was physically blind, it's that he opened his spiritual eyes and he saw that there was an army of angels surrounding the enemy that there was literally an army of angels that had the enemy completely surrounded. It's not that the servant couldn't see, it's that he was fixated on the physical and he was missing the spiritual reality all around him. All he saw were his physical circumstances and what was happening right here, and he was missing the spiritual reality all around him. And as I think about Easter My conviction for myself and my conviction for our culture and many people is that we are missing the spiritual reality that Jesus, God in the flesh, was crucified, but that he rose from the dead and that he never tasted death again. My my guess is if you were to answer the question, what do you think of when you think of Easter, there's a strong chance that you may think of like lunch preparations or you know, your, your pastels or your, your Easter outfits um, or, or bunnies or eggs or candy or, or whatever. Like, I, I think that there's a lot of those, you know, traditions that we think of and those are, are fine, but, but I also believe we're missing the spiritual reality that there was a man who said he was God and was crucified, historical fact, and then no one's been able to find his body since. Like we're missing that, okay, if this is real, there's a spiritual reality to this that we have to account for. We can't just say, oh, there was this man who said he would raise from the dead and then he's gone. Eh, You know, no big deal. We have to do something with that. There is more going on in Easter. Like how in the world have we moved past the resurrection of Jesus to bunnies and eggs? Right? Like, bunnies are fine, eggs are fine, but how in the world, how, like, where do we even get past the resurrection that we can even think about it, right? I'm just part of me, and, and I'm, I'm right there. I, I I'm myself have lost some of the awe and the wonder of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And so my prayer for myself is, God, open my eyes that I would see that, that someone would say, hey, what's for lunch? And I'd be like, I don't know. I haven't even thought about it because Jesus rose from the dead, and, and that matters to me today, The reason that the the resurrection of Jesus isn't just some historical event that happened 2,000 years ago that doesn't really affect us today is that he claims he's still alive today and is king today over us. So it's not just some distant event. It matters today. And so my prayer is that God would open our eyes to see, truly see the miracle that Jesus rose from the dead. And what that means for us today. Because it does mean something for you. For Easter to really carry its full weight, we've got to understand the full story. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that there is nothing more important to communicate than the gospel of Jesus. And the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, goes back to the beginning. The Bible says in Genesis that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That there was always God, Father, Son, Spirit, three in one. There was always God from all of eternity and he created everything in the beginning with his word. He spoke light into darkness. He spoke the, the universe and the stars and the sun and the moon. He spoke the mountains and the grass and the animals. He created all of that. And then he created Adam and Eve and he breathed life into humanity. And what fascinates me about God's creation, I've been asking this question recently. is like, why did he create? Was God lonely? Like, did he need, does he need me and you? Is he like, oh my gosh, how am I going to live in heaven without Trey? You know, like, is that what God's thinking? Is he thinking, gosh, I've got to have people with me? But the Bible says that God doesn't need us. He didn't need the world. He didn't need Adam and Eve. He doesn't need you and me. In himself, as father, son, and spirit, he has perfect joy and happiness and satisfaction and community and fellowship. He's not lacking anything that you and I are gonna be like, don't worry, God, I got you. Let me fill up what you're lacking. So then why does God create the world? Why does he create us if he doesn't need anything from us? It's got to be that God wants to give something to us. That God is perfect love. He is the fullness of life, and He is so abundant in that love that He wants to share it with a people. He wants to take His fullness of joy and create a people that He can share that with, and they can be like Him, reflect His image, and join Him in that divine communion. And so God creates everything. There's no hint of spiritual or relational darkness. There's no sickness, no corruption, no injustice, no oppression. Communion between humanity and God is perfect. Communion between man and woman, between people and the world is perfect. There's nothing wrong, nothing broken. It is the fullness of life in the presence of God. And that is what is written into the soul of every one of us. And we long for it. We, we, we crave the fullness of life. That's why we hold so tightly to relationships, to people, because we want to be satisfied in this loving relationship. That's why we hold so tightly to a career and a future, because we want to be satisfied and filled in our day-to-day. That's why we we crave money, because we want this comfort and this protection that we think we're going to have in that. We're all craving it and looking for it. And the reason we're looking for the fullness of life is because we don't presently have it in its completion. Because something has gone terribly wrong from that beginning. When everything was perfect, it takes all of about five seconds in each day to know, nope, it's not perfect. Something's off, something's wrong, something has been broken in this world. You and I, we know it incredibly well. We've seen a lot of suffering in the last year. A lot of darkness, a lot of depression, a lot of hopelessness, a lot of when is this going to end? Pandemics didn't exist in Genesis 1 and 2 when everything was right. Something has gone wrong. The Bible tells us that in the beginning of the world that God had an enemy The snake, Satan, schemed and plotted in opposition to God. Do you know that Satan was created as an angel? He was created as an angel in the heavens to worship God as king. But but Satan didn't want to worship God as king. Satan wanted to be God, wanted to be king. And so the angel Satan, it says, grabbed a third of the other angels and, and plotted this coup and tried to overthrow God tried to take the position of God himself. And Isaiah 14 says that he was utterly defeated by God. He stood no chance. And so God for eternity cast Satan out of heaven to roam and wander on the earth until one day when Jesus returns and completely defeats Satan and sends him to hell for all of eternity. And so you've got this enemy that that hates God, but can't defeat God. And so the enemy, Satan, the snake shifts his attention to Adam and Eve, to you and me. His objective, if he can destroy the people of God, then he can topple the kingdom of God. If he can take you and me down, then he can start to diminish the glory of God that we're created for. And so every day in this moment, Easter Sunday, there is an enemy, the Bible says, that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Right now, there is an active spiritual enemy, God give us spiritual eyes to see, that wants to put distracting thoughts in here, that wants you to not hear the message of hope, of life that is found in Jesus. There is an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy right now. It wants to keep us from the presence of God, and so he slimed and slithered his way to Adam and Eve, and he started whispering deceitful lies, implanting suspicion and doubt in their minds and hearts about God. Maybe you relate with what he said then. Psst, hey, why aren't you eating of the fruit of the tree? Why, why, are you, why, are you, why are you not eating of that tree? Did God really tell you not to eat of the fruit? Like for, that seems, that seems a bit much, right? Like, come on. Surely God doesn't expect you to just like not eat some fruit. You can make your own choice. You don't have to listen exactly to what God said. He he doesn't have your best interest in mind. He's not for you. He's, He's robbing from you. He's taking pleasure from you. You ever had thoughts like that? You ever had doubts like that? I've struggled a lot in the last couple of years wondering, God, how is this for me? How are you working good for me? Because the this way seems to make more sense to me. I don't understand. Those are lies and deceptions from the devil. Meant to take our eyes off of God and to fix on the physical world around us. Meant to tempt us and deceive us, to call our own shots. There was a desire to be like God inside Adam and Eve because we are created to, to live in the image of God. We're created to reflect the image of God, but now that desire had been twisted and distorted. And rather than wanting to reflect the image of God, Adam and Eve wanted to be God. They wanted to call their own shots. And so they ate. They walked away, rejected God, and took allegiance for their own selves And immediately when they disobeyed God, their eyes were opened to the darkness and death that brought into the world, and immediately the fullness of life was darkened from their lives. See, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. What Adam and Eve earned for their disobedience was was death. Physical death, yes, eventually, but immediately and even more so, spiritual death. A, A separation from the presence of God. The presence of God is life. And by their sin, they were separated from his presence. They were removed from him. They were removed from light and brought into darkness Now, instead of moving near to God, they're running from God. Instead of listening to God, they're blocking their ears so they don't have to hear him. Instead of looking at him, they're hiding from him. Chaos entered the world. Darkness entered the world. Relational brokenness between God and between one another crashes into the world. The domain of darkness had come. And this is the world that you and I literally are born into. This is not just some fairy tale, some story to be told at certain holidays of the year. This is a reality that you and I are born into the domain of darkness that Adam and Eve brought onto the world. Our nature is to sin. Our nature is to choose ourselves. Every one of us, we've all gone our own way. Every one of us, at some point, we've chosen our own path rather than the path of God. And what that does is it separates us from his presence. The Bible calls that sin when we go our own way. It puts an obstacle of relational connection between us and God. It is impossible to be in his presence if sin is in our lives because God is holy He is perfect. He is righteous. He cannot stand to be in the presence of sin. We need a rescue. We need something to happen with that sin. We need a new heart and a resurrection where our sin is removed and we can be reconciled back into a relationship with God. We need a new day. And God is rich in mercy and love. God, we were the ones that walked away from him, but God is rich in love and he pursued us. And Jesus spoke to them in John chapter eight and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus, it says that he left heaven and he came to dwell among us. God himself came to live among us as one of us. We were the ones that walked away and he pursued us. We were the ones that rejected him and he humbled himself to serve us. The light of the world broke into the domain of darkness and where the light is presence, the darkness cannot overcome. Where there is light, darkness cannot reign. And so Jesus, the light of the world, breaks into the world and he comes to earth to bring us hope, to bring a new day. What humility that Jesus would do that. What kindness that that God would pursue us. I I don't know about you, but when someone wrongs me, I kind of want them to come to me. When someone sins against me, I want them to come and humble themselves before me. And yet I sin against God, and he's the one that humbles himself to me. I'm the one that that rejects him and rebels him, and he's the one that comes and serves me. What kind of king steps off his throne to pursue the ones that abandoned him? This is the humility of Jesus. And with him, we see that he literally begins to push out the darkness as the light begins to fill the world once again. As he is casting out demons, he is healing the sick, he is raising the dead, he's giving sight to the blind because the kingdom of God is good and right. And so Jesus comes in and he begins to bring that kingdom of God once again. He begins to restore the light of hope to this world and to our lives. But then the light of the world was crucified, nailed to a cross by the very people he came to serve. The hope of the world was beaten, mocked, humiliated by the very people he came to love. The one who had the power over the wind and waves and over life itself was killed, dead, buried in a tomb, and darkness again filled the world the domain of darkness, it it again filled. Jesus himself was extinguished. But why? What what happened here? What what happened to this man who claimed to be God? Why is he he dead? Why did Jesus die on the cross? Remember the the wages of sin is death, y'all. What you and I earn for our sin against God is death. Yes, physical death one day, but spiritual death, separation from God. We deserve to be removed from his presence. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still actively sinners, Christ came and died for us, that for our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, Jesus, the light of the world, was was brought into darkness because your sin and my sin, my full record of sin, past, present, future, every sin, every sinful action, every sinful word, every sinful thought was placed on Jesus. The darkness of my life was placed on the light of the world. He took our sins on himself, on his shoulders, and he took them to the grave. That is why Jesus died. That is why Jesus went to the cross, because something had to happen for our sin. And only a perfect sacrifice could do that. The good news of Jesus will never be so good if we don't realize first the bad news of our sin. That we have a mountain of debt against God. And on the cross, Jesus took that full weight. God's wrath against sin, he chose to pour out on Jesus in our place. That's why we sing hallelujah for the cross. Because literally that's how our sins are settled. But look, the the kingdom of darkness still reigns. It's great if Jesus took away our sins, right? Like that's good news, but, but Jesus is still dead. The kingdom of darkness reigns. What's what's our hope? What's our hope for a new day and an eternal life? If Jesus is dead, the darkness wins. And this is why the resurrection matters. Because on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. He is not here, but he is risen. In Colossians, it says that he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. In the resurrection, Jesus brings the light of hope back into the world. And it says that he ascended to heaven and he's seated on his throne in heaven, today alive, never to be extinguished again. That he is king today, ruling and reigning. The story doesn't end in darkness. The story is only beginning as the light of Jesus actually raises from the dead. And when Jesus walked out of that grave, the darkness was sent running. He triumphed over the powers of darkness. He triumphed over death itself. And he is alive and he offers to us new life today. The reason that we can have hope, the reason that we can believe that our sins can be forgiven, the reason that we can believe that sickness can be healed and that sight can be given and that we can have the fullness of life is because Jesus is not dead. If Jesus is dead, let's pack it up. Let's go to lunch and no need to come back. But he is alive and no one has found his body and we have to do something with that. Colossians 1 says that in his death and resurrection, he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. On the cross, our sins were forgiven and in the resurrection, we are redeemed and given new life. We are actually transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, the kingdom of light. The resurrection of Jesus means that he is alive today. It matters for you and for me. It's not just some distant story, but it affects us today. I realize everyone's bracelet should be lit up. There could be some technical errors, but it should be lit up. And if you have trusted in Christ, if you have trusted that he is the truth and that in Jesus, your sins are forgiven and in his resurrection, you're given life, then spiritually, the Bible says that we are made alive. The light of Jesus by his spirit actually raises our dead spirits and gives us new life. It's not just some fairy tale or some story, but it genuinely transforms us and that we can have abundant life, eternal life. And guess what? That's not just for one day in heaven. That's for today. That today, this day, because Jesus is alive, we can have the fullness of life. Darkness does not have rule over us. Satan does not have reign over us because our King, Jesus, is alive. But let me also be clear. The Bible says, if you have not trusted and surrendered your allegiance to Jesus, then we are still spiritually dead and in darkness. It's, this is just a a lit up bracelet. It's by faith in Christ. It's by surrendering our allegiance to him. We're, We're letting go of control of being our own God. It's in that faith that Jesus resurrects our spirit with his resurrection. And as surely as he is alive today, we are alive and will live forever with him. This is the message of the gospel. And it matters for you and me today. It really matters. This is the hope of the world, a living hope. That is found in a living Jesus. I'd love to invite you if you're if you're okay, just to just to close your eyes and just to to listen. I believe that God is alive and that his spirit speaks to us today. believe that God is speaking to each one of us. And he's asking, who do you say that Jesus is? Is he just a fictional character who happened to gain a following and he just hasn't really fizzled out? Is he perhaps a God, but doesn't really affect us today? Or is Jesus God himself, the king over all, living today and inviting everyone to surrender to him and to live in his rule and reign? If you have not trusted Christ today, I'm not talking about just a belief in him, but truly trusted in Jesus that on the cross, he he actually did die for our sins. And in his resurrection, he stands to offer us full forgiveness and new life. If you've not trusted that, God is inviting you to surrender your trust to him. And Ephesians 2 says that he will make you alive. That doesn't mean everything's perfect or easy. It means that we have a living hope that will forever progressively increase the fullness of life in us. If you would like to do that today, if you would like to Surrender trust to Christ, to, to be transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of Jesus. There's no magical phrase you have to pray or, or thing you have to do. It's, Jesus just invites you to repent and believe, to, to turn away from trusting in yourself and to, to believe in him and to trust in him. At the same time, we would love to share in that decision with you. We'd love to pray over you and encourage you and walk with you. And so Mike and myself and some others will be standing in the back. And I just encourage you, if, if you hear, sense this prompting in you today to, to trust Jesus and to surrender to him, w- would, you just, would you just walk to the back here in a minute? Just let us know. We'd love to pray for you. I know for many you have trusted Christ. You've you've been a Christian for a month, a year, 10 years, 40 years. But we never hit the ceiling of knowing God. We never max out of the fullness of life that is found in Jesus. And so that means today, because Jesus is still alive, he's got more for you in knowing him and in living in his presence. The enemy is still trying to destroy and rob from the fullness that God has for you today. But in Christ, because he overcame, we can overcome. And I believe, believe that God is inviting you to receive that. Just to, just to receive in faith all that he has for you. to worship Him fully, to pour your life out for His glory, for the good of those around you. So as we continue in worship through through song, through prayer, we invite you to respond however, however you feel is appropriate. If you want to stand and sing, if you want to sit, if you want to pray, if, if you want to come talk with us in the back about trusting Christ or following Him or just want prayer, then we'll be in the back as well. But but God is very much alive and inviting you to respond to him. Not just in a cognitive acknowledgement, but with our lives. God, give us eyes to see beyond our physical surrounding, beyond our physical circumstances, but to see you alive, risen, reigning, ruling, God, give us eyes to see that you did not come to condemn, but to save. You did not come to crush, but to give life. And that only in you is the fullness of life. God, give us the eyes to see that if there's anything we're holding on to, that it is only going to rob from us. But that in full surrender and allegiance to you, we have have the fullness of life in you an overflowing abundance in your presence. And and that moves us to love and to praise and to worship and to give our lives for your glory. God, come and fill this place with your presence and your power. Spirit, speak to us now that our lives would truly be transformed, not by religious action, not by religious motivation, but by your spirit living in us and speaking to us and calling us out of darkness into light. Holy Spirit, come and move. We don't want to be the same. Religion will only get us so far and it's not very far. We need you. God, come and fill this room and fill the souls of every person in here. God, Jesus, you overcame death. It does not win. We celebrate you. We praise you for reigning and ruling pushing out the darkness so that we can live in the light. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.